<laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. It's great to be with you here. And, um, you know, I feel like God wants to do even more amazing stuff with us here this evening. But first, there's something that I hadn't planned to do, but I felt God speak to me about as we were worshiping. And uh, it's simply this. I feel like there are people here, and tonight is the night for you to surrender your lives to Jesus Christ for the first time. And I, I, I don't know why, if you're not yet a Christian, you'd come to a thing like this. But welcome. And it may be that you've been looking around and thinking, wow. In the worship, thinking, wow. Hearing about thousands of lives changed through the 1,036 projects and thinking, wow. And something deep inside you is saying, I want to be part of that. And, you know, going to church doesn't make you a Christian. It generally helps. But that's not the deal. Having Christian parents does not make you a Christian. Just hanging out with Christians doesn't make you a Christian. Even raising your hands in worship doesn't make you a Christian. Being a Christian begins with making a simple choice to follow Jesus, to put him first in everything in your life. You become a Christian simply by saying, clean me out and count me in. You admit to God that you're messed up on the inside, that you've sinned, that you've screwed up, that you've messed up in your thinking and in your words and in your relationships. The Bible says you've sinned. In fact, it says all have sinned and fallen short of God's standard. And so becoming a Christian just begins with holding your hands up and saying, I admit it. Please, God, come and clean me out. And some of you may be thinking, well, you don't know the stuff that I've done, the stuff that I've thought, and I don't. But I do know this, that there is always more grace in God than there is sin in you. And no matter what you've done, no matter what you've said, no matter what mistakes you have made, God loves you and he wants to rescue you and he sent his son to come and die in order to help you out. You know, you think it can't be that simple and it can't be that painless. It wasn't painless. It cost him everything. It hurt like hell to come and rescue you. And all you have to do is accept the gift of forgiveness and say, thank you. I admit I need it. I want to unwrap the present. Count me in. I want to be in on this movement we call Christianity. I want to be in on the worship. I want to be in on changing the lives of the poor and the oppressed. I want to be in, not, not just for this couple of days, but for the rest of my life. So here's the deal. If you're here this evening and you know that you have never sealed the deal, you have never committed your life to Jesus Christ. You've never surrendered. Maybe you've been going to church for ages. And outwardly, maybe there are even people here who think you're a Christian, but you know in your heart of hearts, you're not. Or maybe this is kind of new to you and you got dragged along or you came because there was a really pretty girl coming or whatever brought you here. And then suddenly it's like, wow. And you're thinking, yep, I've messed up. I need to be forgiven. Clean me out. Count me in. And so I just feel like we need, right at the start of this message, give an opportunity for people who want to become Christians tonight. This is the moment you put your marker in. You know what? You'll never have the answer to all the questions. 
You won't. But you can ask the questions with Jesus. And you'll never be good enough for Jesus because he knows you as you are and he died for you as you are. And all you have to do is just accept. And so what I'm going to do now is pray a prayer in my weird English accent. I know, I'm sorry. I find I get two reactions to this accent in America. One is some people think that just because I have an English accent, I'm clever. I'm not. I just got born somewhere different. And other people think I'm scary because of Disney. Because every time they want a voice for a baddie, they use an English accent. You remember the Lion King? Simba, what have you done? It's true, isn't it? You know? Listen, I, I'm not evil and I'm not clever. I'm just like you. I'm passionate about Jesus and I want to live my life changing the world for his glory. That's, that's, that's it. Okay. So, so I'm going to give an opportunity now for those who'd like to surrender their lives to Jesus. To do so. If you know that you're not a Christian and you think this is the time, I'm going to do it now. And maybe a few people that you have been way away from God, like I'm not talking you've messed up a bit, I mean you've been way away from God and you know it's time to come back tonight. And I'd like to invite you guys to respond as well. And so here's the deal Uh, I'm going to pray, and if you want to surrender your life to Jesus, you just pray along with me. Not out loud, I don't want to embarrass you, but in your heart, really meaning it. He hears your thoughts, he hears your prayers, he knows your name, he loves you. And with a simple choice, you can step from darkness into light, from sin into forgiveness, from hopelessness into his love. And it really is as simple as a choice. All the greatest things in life happen that way. When a man marries a woman, it's just a choice, but it changes everything. And so I'm going to invite you to make a choice tonight. Saying, yes, I've sinned. Clean me out. And count me in. So let's all just bow our heads now. And those of you who are saying... Yeah, this is me. I want you to pray this now with me, really meaning it in your heart. Dear Jesus, I admit that I've sinned. Thank you that you came and died for me. I am sorry. Please forgive me. Clean me out. And please, God, count me in. I will try to put you first every day of my life for the rest of my life from this moment. I want to be a Christian. Amen. Now just keep your heads bowed, keep your eyes closed. And if you prayed that prayer and you really meant it, you're saying, tonight I'm giving my life to Jesus, I'm becoming a Christian, then in just a second I'm going to invite you to raise your hand. And I'll tell you why, is because you cannot be a secret Christian. And kind of here is where it's easy. Everyone will be really happy. It gets harder as you go home. Okay, And so we got to start by just saying, yep, I'm not ashamed. And I know for some of you that's a little scary, but choices make a difference, okay? So if you prayed that prayer and you really meant it, and this is particularly, there are some of you here, this is going to be hard because you know 
that some of the people that you came with think that you are a Christian, but it's actually just been tonight. So why don't you just raise your hands really clearly, those of you who just gave your lives to Jesus. Don't worry about what other people think. That's really cool. Loads of hands. That's really awesome. That's really cool. Wonderful. Wonderful. Now, guys, this is where the fun begins, okay? So, you know, uh, the Bible says that when someone makes the decision that you've just made, there is a party in heaven, okay? And so we may get excited about 1,036 projects, and we should. But we should get even more excited about eternal change in people's lives. So what I'd like us to do is this. One minute, one minute, one minute. I, if you would like to do so, I would like to invite all those who just raised your hands to come down the front, get up on this platform so we can cheer you on. Because here's the deal. It is going to get difficult sometimes. And we want you to remember this moment uh, that you stood here at desperation and thousands of people said, come on, go for it. Well done. So get up, get up on the stage. Get up here, get up here, get up here. Come on. Only those who've given your lives to Jesus. Not only those who surrendered your life to Jesus for the first time tonight. Come on. Awesome. Awesome. That is awesome, guys. That is awesome. You just made such an amazing decision. And the guys that you have come with are going to help you to grow in your faith and get to know Jesus more and more. He is real. It is true. And you have just messed your lives up for good. And you're never going to... Well, you might regret it once and twice, but not too much. So... Let's just all stretch out our hands towards these guys. What do you do? You probably know the routine by now. Just hold out your hands like you want to receive a gift from God. We're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to come and fill you. I've said clean me out, count me in. There's one more, fill me up, okay? So God wants just to come and fill you up with his presence now. Some of you are going to feel something. Some of you won't. It doesn't matter. It's all to do with the way God's wired you. But he wants just to come and fill you up with his presence now. So just hold out your hands like you want to receive a gift from God. Now you guys all stretch out your hands and I want us all just raise our voices together and pray for the Holy Spirit to come and minister to these guys, okay? Ready, steady, go. So Spirit of God, we pray you'd come and fill every one of these new Christians. We pray you'd fill them with your presence from the top of their heads down to the tip of their toes. We pray, Lord, you'd wash away all the sin. You'd fill them with your joy and your peace and your forgiveness and your hope and your love. So come, Holy Spirit, we pray. And we pray you'd fill them, Lord. We pray you'd speak to them tonight. We pray, Lord God, that through the rest of this conference, you'd work in them, you'd change their lives. And we pray you'd make every one of them evangelists and life changers who go home and lead their friends to you. And we pray, Spirit of God, you'd give them courage not to be ashamed of you, not to be embarrassed of you, but to go and tell their friends, Jesus is alive and I've met him and he's forgiven me my sins. So we bless what you're doing here, Spirit of God. Amen. Cool, guys. So cool. So uh, why, don't, why don't you guys make your way back to your seats and, and all of you just talk to someone that you came with and say, okay, help me on this, and they'll help you forward. Good job. I wish I had time to give you all a hug, but I haven't. So, well done. Well done. Good job. Well done. Well, that's, that's a good way to start, isn't it? You know, I'm so excited to be back at Desperation. Uh, I came a few years ago. Thank you, uh, David. Thank you, all of you, for inviting me back. Uh, I cheer you on from afar. I love what you're doing. Thank you for all those of you who send nice messages on Twitter. 
And I love the theme this year. Our God is coming. I tell you why I like it. It's not just that it's a cool theme. It's not just that it's a great song by the Desperation Band. It is a 2,000-year-old heart cry. Because you know the very last words in the Bible, at the end of the book of Revelation, the very last things God says in God's Word, the Bible, is this, I am coming soon. And to that, the people of God reply, come quickly, Jesus. And so this desire for God to come into our lives, into our situations, into our families, into our schools, into our workplaces, into our lives in a new way is a 2,000-year-old heart cry. And you know, right at the heart of that statement, our God is coming, is one word, four letters long, that is so important that it is used 178 times in the Bible. It is a word that has inspired the culture from Banksy's graffiti to the rapper Twister right through to your President Obama. The word is hope. To say our God is coming is a statement of hope. It is not about hype. You know, when we go home from here and we don't have all the music and all the lights and all the cool stuff anymore, we, the hype will go, but the hope will continue. When you're back at school and back at college, and not everyone there is even a Christian, it is the hope that we have in Jesus that will keep you going. So I want to talk about that hope, and I want us to think together tonight about how we get more of that hope, not just in a way of wishful thinking, I really hope it's true, but in the biblical sense of a firm hope. And I think some of this will build on some of the things that Ron Luce talked about this afternoon. We're going to pray for a bunch of you later. Maybe some of you guys who've just become Christians Come back a second time. We'll pray for you some more. My advice is when I became a Christian, I responded at everything. You know, I just wanted everything God had for me. I could have been at a breastfeeding clinic, you know, (laughs) and I'd have responded. (laughs) Because I, I, I just, whenever there was an opportunity to get prayer, I wanted prayer. So, when I look around this room, I just see so much hope. When I see thousands of you holding up those candles, I see hope. When I hear about the commitments that you're making, the vow you're making to go home and be courageous with the gospel, and to go home and start prayer movements, and to launch all these projects to make a difference amongst the poor, I see hope all around. And, um, you know, A little while ago now, um, I was driving home late at night, and I- I've got two kids, two sons, and one of them particularly likes a candy that we have in the UK. It's called, they're called tongue tanglers, and uh, these are not easy to get hold of. They're not like one of those candies you get in Walmart. These are rare candy. And I was driving home late at night. I stopped at a gas station. And I saw a packet of tongue tanglers, and I thought, I'm going to buy them for my son, for Daniel. And so I bought them, and I, I, I got home late. You know, the whole family was asleep. And I crawled into bed, and I put the tongue tanglers next to me, uh, next to my bed. And I went to sleep, smiling, looking forward to giving him his favorite candy when he woke up in the morning. And so in the morning, I got up, I tiptoed through to his room, And I carried him out of bed, uh, and I was just carrying him through to our room, because he likes to have a little snuggle in bed with us before he goes to school in the morning. Yeah, he's 17 years old. No, he's not. No, you know, he's he's small. He's small. (laughs) That would be weird. And (laughs) so I'm carrying him through to, to our bed, and I whisper the magic words in his ears. Danny. I've got a surprise for you. And ah, suddenly he's wide awake. And without a moment's hesitation, you'll never guess what he said. 
He went from being asleep to wide awake and immediately he said, Is it an Xbox 360, Dad? <laughs> no. He then said, Is it an iPad? I said, No. And I got out the most pathetic looking bag of sweets you've ever seen in your life. And he's such a good boy. Do you know what he said to me? He said, Dad, it's just what I hoped for. The little liar, right? So the deal is this, to be human is to hope. We all carry with us here tonight hopes. We're hoping for all sorts of things. We're hoping that he will like us, she will like us. We are hoping for an Xbox 360. We're hoping that our parents don't get divorced. We're hoping for revival. We're hoping for healing. We're hoping for breakthroughs in our own lives. We're hoping for our churches to grow. To be alive is to hope. But maybe you are here feeling a little hopeless. And it's a hard thing when you're surrounded by people who are like, ah, in the worship. And everyone's excited and drunk too much Red Bull. And, you know, we're all a little crazy. And inside, secretly, you're feeling a little hopeless. Maybe you're feeling hopeless here about yourself or your grades. Or you're feeling a little bit hopeless about a situation in your family or in your church. Or maybe you feel a bit hopeless when you look in the mirror. Or maybe you feel a little bit hopeless about a particular relationship. Or maybe you feel a bit hopeless about a situation in your own life that you can't get free from. And sometimes when you're surrounded by people who are excited, you can feel quite lonely and like you're the only one who's feeling those things. You're not. So let's look at a bit of the Bible that speaks explicitly about hope. Uh, This is Romans chapter 15 verse 13. Uh, You can look it up on your cell phones if you like. Romans 15 verse 13. Oh, it's there on the screens. I was going to say... If you look at it on your uh, cell phones, don't play Angry Birds, okay? Or you'll go to hell. So, No, you won't, you won't. Some of the youth pastors here are so tired, they're thinking, that doesn't sound too bad to me. Trust me, after a thousand years of Angry Birds, you would be an angry bird. So Romans 15 verse uh, 13, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Rome, and this is an apostolic blessing that echoes down 2,000 years, and I want you to feel the impact of this prayer in your lives right now. So here it is. May the God of hope fill you with peace and joy as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. That passage tells us that God is a God of hope. To know God is to know hope. To not know God is to be hopeless. God is not someone who makes your life disappointing and desperate. He is one who is full of hope. When he looks at your life, he is hopeful. When he looks at your church, he is hopeful. When he looks at CNN or Fox News, he is hopeful. He is hopeful for the world because he is intrinsically one who knows that it's all going to come together in the end. And that passage also tells us that his desire for each one of you here this evening is that you would be filled with peace and joy. Just give me a wave if you think, that sounds pretty good. I'd like to be filled with peace and joy. Yeah. And and we're not just saying a little peace and joy. Like, oh, I had a little peace and joy. (laughs) Filled with peace and joy. So filled with peace and joy that you will overflow with hope. 
How? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. We are called to be hope dispensers in our schools, in our streets, in our churches, in our world. That's what I love about the 1036 Project. That's what I love about your commitment to go home and be courageous for the gospel. Because we are called to be the people who bring hope to the bullied kid in our class. Hope to orphans who don't obviously know a mother and a father. We are called to be hope bringers. But to be a hope bringer, you've got to be filled with hope and deal with the hopelessness in your own life. So how does that happen? How do we get filled up with peace and joy and so much hope that we overflow with the stuff? Well, the passage tells us two things. It is as we trust in him, and it is through the power of the Holy Spirit. So it is by believing something, trusting God, and by receiving something, the power of the Holy Spirit, that we get filled with peace and joy and overflow with hope. Believing and receiving. So I want us to think about that. How do we trust God more? It's easy to trust God here, right? But it's hard to trust God at school or college or when there aren't quite so many people around you worshiping or when the temptation's coming late at night. How do we trust God? Well, the first thing to say is we have to keep remembering that God is totally faithful. Because the enemy will try and lie and say you can't rely on him. But keep reminding yourself of how faithful he's been in your life. I, I remember um, learning this lesson when I was younger than most of you here. The first time I fell in love, I think I was about 11 years old. So it was, it was serious, okay. <laughs> I, I was like smitten with this girl. We'll call her uh, Sarah. Uh, and she was just the most beautiful thing on earth. And I prayed, like I'd never prayed ever before for anything, that she would like me back. Okay? Raise your hand if you've ever prayed a similar prayer. Okay. Just two of us. Okay. So, no. I'm like, God, please. I like her so much. May she notice me, you know. And you'll be shocked and devastated to learn. I hope this doesn't shake anyone's faith here. That the almighty God who is able to create the universe in all his power did not answer that prayer. I know, it is tragic. She, she never noticed me, she never liked me. And I'm like, why? Well, A few years later, I went back to a school reunion, and she was there. And our eyes met across a crowded room. And Okay, there's just no gallant way of telling you what I've now got to tell you, okay? So, girls, don't hate me. But it was like the most beautiful butterfly had morphed backwards. I'm just telling you. And I left that reunion. I said, thank you, God, that your ways are not my ways, that you know best, right? So sometimes, even when we don't understand why God doesn't do the things we think he should, we can trust God. Him. As you trust in Him, you get filled with peace and joy. And I think one of the challenges that we uh, have is to trust God and God's Word in particular and not just trust our own feelings at any given moment. I remember I had a friend when I went to university. We used to call him Captain Scarlet because he looked like a puppet in a British TV series. <laughs> And um, he really, really believed in kind of Christianity and positive thinking. Like, you know, you just got to say it and believe it, and then it'll automatically happen. And um, he had a really bad back. 
So I said to him one day, Captain Scarlet, how's your back? He said to me, hallelujah, it's been healed. I said, that's fantastic. And I gave him a hug. I was so happy. And he went, oh. I said, I thought you said your, your back had been healed. He said, it has been healed, but the symptoms remain. That is not faith. That is stupid. The main gift God wants to give to many Christians is common sense. That is not hope. That is dumb. Our hope is not hype. Our hope is not wishful thinking. Our hope is not blind optimism. Our hope is rooted in the timeless truths of God's promises in His Word. We trust in God's words. And so... The Bible says that, Romans chapter uh, uh, 15, verse 4, just earlier in, in the chapter from what we read just now. He says this, through the endurance taught by the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we have hope. So the Scriptures give us endurance and encouragement and hope. You see the theme here. So how do we get hope and endurance and encouragement from God's word? Well, my oldest son turned 13 last year. And it was like a big deal. You know, he was kind of apprehensive about becoming a teenager. And so we said, let's create a, a celebration, a rite of passage, something to mark you becoming a teenager. is a really good thing. By the way, if people have told you that being a teenager is a bad thing, it isn't. It's a great thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's one of the most anointed, exciting times of your life. I know sometimes you think, I wish I didn't have spots, or I wish my emotions didn't go up and down, or I wish I didn't get so tired, or I wish I didn't have to do so many exams. But you have a capacity for passion. You have an ability to be clear and focused and surrender your life to Jesus that will be hard to get back at any other time in your life. And you love your friends and you love being with other people. These are good things, not bad things that God's put in you. And you, a lot of you like wearing good clothes. That's a good thing, not a bad thing. There's no point. There's no, we should use our clothes to celebrate, right? It shouldn't determine who we are, but appearance is fun if you handle it right. You can see I've kind of got it wrong, but there we go. People still laugh about my lack of a hairstyle. So, so I said to my son, okay, we're going to do a rite of passage to celebrate you becoming a 13-year-old. And we did a thing called the Three Peaks. It means we climb the three highest mountains in the UK, the highest mountain in Scotland, the highest mountain in England, and the highest mountain in Wales. And, uh, so, and you try and do it in 24 hours. It's really difficult. It's really tough. And it's really tough, especially when you're only 13 years old. And so we went out to do this, and the first mountain was kind of easy-ish, the second was difficult, but by the third mountain, we were just exhausted. Every, this isn't an exaggeration, every step hurt. And for about the last two hours of climbing, we were in the cloud, and it was cold and wet and miserable and horrible, and we, all we wanted to do was just to get warm and to stop moving. We were shattered. But here's the deal. I had promised my son that the end of this massive achievement, we would get a sleeper train. I don't know if you have sleeper trains in America, but in the UK we have sleeper trains. You get on a train and you sleep on it. You have a bed and it, you, it's really nice. You go to sleep in one place and you wake up in another. And we'd, we decided we were going to get the sleeper train from Scotland back to London. And I said to him, when we get on that train... We will go to the restaurant car and I will buy you absolutely anything you want from the menu except alcohol. And then you will be able to take a shower and then you'll get into clean sheets and you'll sleep and you'll wake up in London to a hero's welcome from your mother. And as we climbed those mountains, especially that third mountain, we talked and we thought, all the time about how beautiful and lovely it was going to be to get on that train and eat that meal and take that shower and get into that bed. And in my back pocket, I had the tickets. 
And as I walked up that mountain, I would often just feel those tickets and they promised me something. They promised me that we are going to get there. We are going to do it. And that is a lot how God's promises in Scripture work. You get hold of them, and no matter what you're going through, no matter how you're feeling, you say, this is a promise, and you get endurance and encouragement from the Scriptures. Does that make sense? Just like we got endurance and encouragement from those tickets in my back pocket. So you get hold of those promises, and you carry them with you for the tough times as well as the good times. And you will find that you grow in hope. God's promises are reliable. Our feelings are not. So I remember on my wedding day, I'm standing at the front of the church. My wife, uh, her name is Sam, but she is a girl. Don't panic. Uh, I've checked. And (laughs) what? What? You're allowed to, you know. Once you're married, you've got to have a fair idea before. And so, so I'm standing at the front of the church, and Sam appears at the back, all dressed in this beautiful white dress, and she walks down the aisle. Frankly, I know Pastor Brady said we're not supposed to say this this morning, but she, she was smoking hot at that moment. She has a smoking hot brain as well, but... I didn't care at that moment. And, and, and so she's standing there. And the pastor said, do you, do you take this woman to be your wife? I was like, yes, very much. You know, yes, please. And for some reason, she was keen as well. We, we, we got married and we went off. We had our honeymoon night. Fast forward the video. We woke up the next morning. I looked across at this smoking hot bride, and she didn't look the same. Her hair was like all over the place. Her breath smelled like she'd been chewing a dead hamster all night. She had one of those gloopy bits in her eye. Ugh! So I, I said, right, that's it. The wedding's off. But then an hour later, she looked fantastic again. I said, the marriage is back on. A week later, honestly, she got sick. She, she was literally sick on the carpet, and I had to clean it up. Mm. So I'm cleaning this up. I think this is nice. So I said, the marriage is off. But then she got better. I said, the marriage is back on. Here's the deal. You cannot live a human relationship on the basis of when it feels good and when it doesn't. You make a choice. You make a commitment. And you stick with it through sickness as well as health in good times and in bad times. And it's the same with God's word. You say, I'm not going to live just by what I feel is true. I'm going to live by what I know is true. I'm going to live by the truth of Scripture. The promises that have proved themselves down 2,000 thousand years instead of just the hormones and the feelings that are going around in my body right now. I'm going to believe my beliefs and doubt my doubts. I'm going to trust God's word and not just my feelings. You can feel that life is hopeless and you will. But the scriptures say, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to give you a hope and a future. Which are you going to believe? You can feel like God is a million miles away, but Jesus says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Which are you going to believe? You can feel guilty and ashamed, but the Bible says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You can feel like God doesn't like you, but the Scriptures tell us that God is saying to you, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have tattooed your name on the palms of my hand. I love you. Which are you going to believe? What you feel is true or what the Bible says is true? Amen? It's a choice. It's a choice. And one of the things that will help you to live by the truth 
and not just by your feelings, is friendships. You know, Colossians 1 verse 27 says, Christ in you is the hope of glory. So some, some of you are good at finding glory by putting your hands in the air and worshiping. And some of you, you'll find glory by looking at other people and the way they live their lives and how they celebrate Jesus. And you'll think, I get hope there. I don't know if I can always understand everything in this book, but I look at my youth pastor or I look at some old lady who's been praying for 50 years in my church and I think, I want to be like that when I get older. They are the hope of glory. Where do you get your hope from? How do you trust in the Lord? How do you get filled? with peace and joy by living by the truth of God's word and by following those who are full and overflowing with God's hope. I've got a lady like that. Actually, she's died now. But you know my wedding day I just told you about. She was there. Her name was Pearl. And she was like in my, on my wedding day, she was in her 70s. And she was one of those old ladies who had just loved Jesus all her life. And she was like psychotically happy all the time. Like unbelievable. She was always rejoicing. And she had lots of problems, lots of health trouble. But she was always rejoicing. And I remember, on our wedding day, it rained, okay? Uh, we, we, we have rain in the UK. We're anointed for rain. You guys need some of our anointing here in Colorado right now. And I, I, I bless you with rain. Now, if you bless me with sunshine, we have a deal. So, so it was raining. It wasn't just raining a little bit. It was like raining hard out there. And this was not everything my wife had dreamt of since, you know, when she was a little girl. And then Pearl comes up to me and she says, Isn't it wonderful about the rain? I said, No. It is not wonderful about the rain. It's horrible. She said, oh, don't you know? I said, no, I don't think I do. She said, do you not know what the Bible says about rain? I said, enlighten me, Pearl. She said, oh, the Bible says that rain is a sign of God's blessing. And he has made it completely bucket down for you. When you got someone like Pearl around who's learned how to rejoice always. Do you know what? The hope overflows and it is contagious. You hang out with cynical people, you'll catch cynicism. You hang out with negative people, you'll catch negativity. You hang out with hope-filled, peace-filled, joyful people and you will start to get peace and joy and get filled up with hope and you'll start to think in new ways and talk in new ways and look at life in new ways so you too get filled with hope. Does that make sense? You will get hope by living by the Bible and by getting with people who are a living Bible for you. And so I don't know who your pearl is, who the people are around you who overflow hope into your life, but you make sure you get around them. And one of the things the enemy will try and do is separate you from them because they are dangerously good in your life. We get trust. We are called to believe in God's word, but also to receive God's spirit. And through that, we receive hope. We overflow with hope. That's what we've seen tonight. You've been overflowing with hope to the poor. As people have given their lives to Jesus, hundreds of you, that was a moment of overflow of hope. As you make decisions to go back and live differently, you are overflowing with hope through the Holy Spirit. You know, it's not about going home just with a load of new information. It's not about just going home with a load of excitement because that will wear off. It's about going home with the Holy Spirit in you in a way that you are carrying hope in a new way. It's like a virus, you know? Wouldn't it be great if every one of you went home and the hope spread out from you to a hundred other people? Do you know, if you're young in your church, your call is to be a hope bringer to your church. Not to be a cynic, not to be critical, but to be someone who releases faith and joy. And um, only the Holy Spirit can do that. I can't preach it into you. You can't get hope by clenching your buttocks and trying to believe things that deep down you don't. Are you allowed to say buttocks? Well, you all have them. God gave them to you. Come on. 
If there's anyone here without buttocks, come forward and we'll pray for you later. You know, I mean, it's okay. Gee, you're a hard crowd. You get hope by trusting in God's word and by receiving God's spirit. I often think the church is like a bunch of people who are trying to give away a virus they're not carrying, you know? And so, you know, say, um, say I ha- um, yeah, say I-, I wanted you guys all to go away with the flu virus, okay? Because, <laughs> like, I'm just nasty. I'm just nasty like that. And, and so I thought, well, what I'll do is I'm going to build a massive nose here on the platform, like 20 foot high, massive nose. And you will come in and go, why is there a nose? And then we got little people dressed in snot-colored outfits, right, to just track with me here, to somersault out of the nostrils, and then we choreographed them dancing across the stage like a sneeze. Okay, this is what we're doing here. And then there's somebody here, and the little snot people cling on to them to show how the virus can spread, and the person is there turning into a nose. No, I don't know how it works. And then, and then I thought, that's not enough. What we've got to do is move you emotionally about flu. And so I'm going to ask John Egan to write a song about the beauty of flu. And he says, oh, thank you so much. Nothing rhymes with Jesus except cheeses. But flu, lots of things rhyme with flu. So he writes this song. It's the best song he's ever written. By the end, you're thinking, oh, I want flu. And then, and then I think, but there are scientists in our midst. So we have, we have a, a, like microscope slides of the flu virus. Up. Listen, by the end of the evening, you will know everything about flu. You could even want to have flu, but you haven't. You're not going to pass it on to anyone. But if I have got flu and I get close enough to you, it doesn't really matter what I talk about. You're going to catch it, and you're going to carry it, and you're going to spread it. The body of Christ is full of people trying to spread a virus they're not currently carrying. They know everything about it. They talk about it all the time, but they are not empowered. How do you get empowered with the good news of Jesus? How do you get infected? You breathe the same air as him, and he breathes out, and you breathe in, and a little more life comes into you, right? That's how you got created in the first place. And so the Holy Spirit comes and fills us with peace and joy and hope until we overflow with his presence. One final story, then I'm going to pray for some people. So, um, I got this friend. He was our local drug dealer. No, he was. I mean, he was our local drug dealer. And, and he became a Christian. He met Jesus. Yeah, it's brilliant. And, um, and then he came, he came to live with, my, with Sammy and me just after we were married. Uh, and uh, because... You know, it's one thing to give your life to Jesus, but then it's a whole journey of getting your head together. And some of you guys who gave your lives to Jesus tonight, it's the beginning of a journey of you getting your lives back together again. And there are people here who will help you. And so we did that for Paul. We just, we, he said, oh, you better come live with us. And he, he moved in with us. And, um, you know, it was kind of an interesting scenario. I remember he was very paranoid because of all of the Class A drugs he'd been taking. And he thought our cat was like evil and trying to attack him. And one time I came home and I opened the, the closet, uh, you know, the, the wardrobe door to get my shirt out and he was hiding in, in, in he was just curled up in the bottom of my, not the cat, Paul. Uh, and I'm like, hi. He goes, hi man, the cat's out to get me. So I'm like, oh dude, I'm so sorry. Uh, and, and, and we began to help him through this process and then somewhere along the line, Paul's dad died, and he went back to see his mom, his stepmom actually, and she said to him, Paul, would you like something to remember your father by? He said, yeah, I'd like that. She said, why don't you just go upstairs, and you can choose anything you want. 
to remember your dad by. And he, he went upstairs. He was out for quite a long time. When he came down, you know what he'd chosen? He'd chosen a sweater. And whenever he wore this sweater, he felt close to his dad. And whenever, you know, like whenever I saw him wearing it, I knew it was like one of those moments. And I'd just say something like, hey, Paul, it's nice to see you wearing the sweater, you know. And, and because I knew it was really special to him, I didn't ever like to tell him it didn't really suit him. You know, honestly, he's got a bit of a big belly and it was too tight, too small. But, you know, it's his dad's sweater. So then his stepmom came down to see us and she was sitting in the room, uh, I still remember it, drinking a cup of tea. Because that's actually all we do in England. We, 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 we drink tea and eat fish and chips and talk to the queen. That's all we do. And, and play football. By the way, football is a game that involves a ball and a foot. Uh, I just leave that with you. So, so anyway, she's there drinking tea. And Paul had said to me, do you know what I think my stepmom would like if I wear the sweater? So he goes upstairs, he puts on the sweater. She's sitting there. He comes into the room. She takes one look at him and she goes, Paul, what are you doing wearing my sweater? I've been looking for that for weeks. (laughs) The idiot had gone to the wrong closet. He'd been wearing his stepmom's sweater all this time. Here's the thing. We all sometimes get hold of things that give us a false sense of intimacy with the Father. We, we, we rely on other people's prayer lives. We, we tell other people's stories. We can even come to conferences like this is a good thing to do, but it's in a way, a way of feeling intimate with the Father. But sometimes he looks at us and he says, hey, I really like you. And, and, and I love all this stuff you're doing, these conferences you're going to, these books you're reading, these t-shirts you're wearing, these CDs you're downloading. But at what point do we just cut out the middleman and get one-on-one? At what point do we just make this whole thing simple and talk? At what time do we get close and just let me breathe on you so you catch what I've got and carry it into the world? What if it was as simple as that? And so if we are going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, so that we might be filled with peace and joy and overflow with hope as we go home. Then we need to get close with the Father. So I just want to give a chance for one or two people to respond. You've listened really well to the guy with the weird accent. I'm so sorry if I've said anything that didn't make sense because of my strange British ways. I often say things that don't make sense at home. I just have no excuse there. (laughs) But it'd be great to get the band up just to play some New Age-style music if they're around. Um, It's mainly an attempt to manipulate your emotions, so we're just going to try and do that now. Anything in, in your running naked through the forest uh, range, please, John, would be great. He's been writing that song about flu, hasn't he, out of the back? So, so, I wonder what God has been saying to you tonight. Uh, I wonder if maybe there are people here who've been feeling a bit hopeless and you know, a little disappointed. I was thinking about that scripture that says, hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. Sometimes when you hope and hope and hope, and then the thing hasn't happened yet, we can kind of get sick emotionally and spiritually. I wonder if there are some people here, and if you're honest, you've got into patterns of negative thinking and even negative talking. And God's been just nailing that tonight and saying, hey, I want you to be someone who's full of hope, not cynicism. And, and maybe there are you, even some of you as friends, you realize you've been allowing your speech to become critical and cynical. And that tonight you, you may even want to respond as a group. You may have a friend. You want to say, do you know what? We, we've been being really like 
negative about people. We've been complaining about all kinds of stuff. Why don't we make a decision tonight to start being positive and hope-filled? So maybe some of you, there are those cycles, if you're honest, of thought and speech uh, that have been robbing you of hope. Um, I really felt like God spoke to me specifically about one or two people who are here feeling hopeless about your parents' marriage. It may be that your parents even go to church, and at church everything looks fine, but you see the arguments back home. And you are really worried. And you feel hopeless about that. Maybe for you the challenge tonight is that you need fresh faith for a particular situation in which you feel hopeless. Maybe it's the simple choice. I'm going to believe my beliefs and doubt my doubts. I've been allowing my life to be determined just by my feelings. And I've been getting excited about Jesus here because... Well, it feels good to be excited about Jesus here, but by the same measure, when I go home and the hype wears off, it doesn't feel good anymore. I don't know if I'll still be as passionate. And you tonight want to make the decision to trust God's word and get around God's people to help you to live with greater hope. And actually, I just I'm speaking, I feel like God's speaking to me about one particular person here. You're trapped in a cycle of feelings. It's, it, it is that word trapped, that you're just going round and round. There's almost like an obsession that you've got. And if you're really honest, that cycle of feelings is leaving you kind of hopeless. And tonight God is saying, step out, let go, get help. I can bring you hope, okay? So, you've heard lots of words. Let's just take a moment, each of us, just to ask the Lord, what is it you're saying to me? areas of hopelessness areas of disappointment cycles of negativity God wants to come and fill you with his spirit fill you with peace and joy until you overflow with hope it may be that you're going home to very difficult situations do you know what the situation won't have changed just because you were here but your attitude can change He can give you hope. I I, I really feel like God's speaking to me as well for one or two people who, in your class at school, what's been happening is this. There's a particular attitude that some people have been setting and you've kind of got sucked into that. And he is calling you to go home and be the person who sets the attitude changes like the climate in your classroom to be someone who releases hope overflows with hope and specifically there's one or two of you I think there's a kid who's really unpopular in your class I'm sure that's true for a number of you but you have not been championing them you've not been befriending them you've not been standing up for them and he's calling you to go and be a hope bringer to that person there is no point in getting excited about building an orphanage for the poor if God has put someone oppressed and afflicted in your class and you don't show them love that's where it all begins that's where the hope begins so let's just stand together shall we that we need to believe God's word not our feelings and that we need to receive the power of his spirit so we might overflow with hope in a very hopeless world 
And so if you're tonight saying, yeah, that's me, I need that, then I'd love you just to come down the front so we can pray for you and minister to you. And this isn't everyone. There's numbers of you here. You're already just filled up with this stuff. But there are people here, you know, God's spoken specifically. So just get on down the front. We'd love to pray for you. Well done, guys. big night for you and uh, you know God's made you a leader you kind of knew that already but he's going to grab hold of that leadership gift and he's going to use you and um, you you are someone who if you're given two roads and one is kind of easy and pleasant and one is tough and exhilarating you'll always choose the tougher one And he sees that in you and he's made you that way, okay? And he's saying you'll be amazed at the way he's going to use that leadership gift for his glory. And and he is inviting you to just give yourself to him in ways that you, you just completely abandon everything to him. And if you do that, he will use you to change not just hundreds, but thousands of lives. Okay, Cody, that's the hand of the Lord upon you. So you keep doing what you're doing. Okay, it's really simple. This is not about me. This is about the fact that God's real and he's alive. He's here by his spirit. He made every single one of you and he really likes you. And he just wants to come and fill you with his spirit. And each one of you knows why you've come forward, right? Some of you is really, really deep stuff. Deep areas of hopelessness. Some of you it's this cycles of negativity. But whatever it is, why don't you just hold out your hands to God, like I said earlier, just to receive. And in a moment, I'm going to invite the Spirit to come. But first... I want you just to quietly tell the Lord why you're here. Just tell him. He hears you. And then tell him what you want him to do for you. He once said to a blind man, what do you want me to do for you? And the guy said, hey, I want to see. It's kind of obvious. Tell Jesus, what do you want me to do? Okay. And let's all just stretch out our hands towards these guys, shall we? Everybody, just stretch out your hands. We're all part of praying for this. So we're just going to invite the Spirit of God to come in a new way. Come, Holy Spirit, now. Come, Spirit of the living God. Thank you for what you're doing. More of you. More of you. Scotty. It's just really deep stuff going on. Just bless what you're doing here, Jesus. Increase it. Increase it. God doing something, just allow that to grow in you. Come, 
Spirit of the living God, go deeper, I pray. More of you. More of you. It's just amazing, isn't it, what God does when we just give space. God just says to those of you that are weeping, those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. Pay down the tears. The payback is joy. Romans 8, 28 says, All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. Some re- there's some real pain some of you carry, some real disappointments. But you keep loving God through it. And you watch and see what he'll do with it. He can turn it all to good. So what we're going to do is just the band are going to keep playing and maybe lead us in a little more worship. Those of you at the front, if you've done what you need to do, you can get back to your seat. But others, just wait in this space. And if you've got someone at the front who's responded and you want to just come and quietly pray with them, feel free to do that. Maybe uh, as one or two, you just want to pray for the person next to you, just bless them. But let's just allow the Spirit to, to move and let's get a nice kind of bit of chaos, bit of worship, bit of prayer, bit of ministry. So whatever you need to do now, just we're going to keep in this space for a little longer. So do feel free to come and pray with people at the front, minister to one another, and I'm going to hand back to the band to lead us in worship. Thanks.